Welcome back to Parent School. I'm Rachel Templeton. Today, Polly and I are talking about a parenting concept called the power of 15. Of all the nutrients you could add, this is the number one most powerful nutrient you could give your kid to be well in this world, to feel secure, to feel whole, and to know how to find their own sense of deep satisfaction and contentment inside. It's pretty straightforward. It's the idea that if you spend just 15 minutes of dedicated time with your kids, you'll see real changes in your relationship. To be honest, for me, it sounds a lot easier than it is. It means no phones, no TV, no inquisitions about the day, what friends they played with, what they want for dinner, why they didn't do their homework. But when I do do it, and I do try every day, it is a total game changer. I hope that you'll enjoy hearing Polly explain. As usual, there's some explicit language. Polly, thanks for being here today to talk about the power of 15. What is the power of 15? It's actually a concept that comes from a type of parenting training called parent-child interactive training, and it is a research-based intervention. It instructs parents to spend 15 minutes per day with their kid. The child is the leader of the 15 minutes in the sense that they get to decide how the time is spent, and it's an opportunity to give them some power that's contained power. So it's not just like freewheeling, you're in charge of me for this whole time and you get to lead me around by the nose, but it's 15 minutes where I'm going to say, you know, Rachel, if you're my kid, I'd say this is your time. It's a special time just for you and me together. I put my spin on it and used it and played with it as a parent and saw the most magnificent results from taking 15 minutes out of my day to drop my agenda and all of my busyness and actually be with my kid for 15 minutes in a way that didn't include any of my own typical parent inquisition or planning ahead type talk or anything like that. It was really just me learning how to drop into being and play with my kid. What can that look like for a parent of a young child, say under five? Well, the power of 15 in my world is really best described by an invitation to be together. For a younger child, I would put out a big blanket so that we had some edges and some boundaries to the space that we're going to inhabit while we play. And I would say, it's our special time. I really crave being with you and I miss you when I don't get to be with you. And I wonder if we could have some special time together. During that time, I have some boundaries in myself that I would mind by turning off my phone. And the child can choose what they want to bring to the blanket. And I'm really in the following position. So in a world where I'm 99% in charge, this is their 1% where they get some autonomy, they get to lead. And for a lot of kids, that's a really powerful experience. More powerful is the experience of having me be present with them. How would a parent say to a kid, this is what we're about to do and why, if this hasn't been part of their routine? Personally, I was just really authentic with my child in the sense that I said, I realize we're living such a busy life with go, go, go all the time, but we don't get to spend very much time playing. I also recognized that my kid really did want to play with me. It was obvious how often my son would say, mom, we want to play Legos and how much on the inside I would cringe at the question because I wanted to do anything 
besides play Legos. I really didn't feel like I could settle down into play very easily. And so when I heard this research-based study that 15 minutes was actually not just enough, but it was an ample amount of time to spend with a child to kind of fill their cup in terms of their sense of personal value and that they matter to me and that they're worthwhile, but also that it would give that child and me a relationship that would really pay into a giant kind of relational bank account that we would grow now through this 15 minutes a day together. This was just a new concept for me to think of like my relationship with my child as sort of a bank account I pay into. And not only do I get immediate dividends when I start doing 15 minutes a day, I also get long-term dividends, and the long-term dividends that play out look like a way more settled child, a way more independent child, a way more compliant child. And now these are the things that mattered to me in the long-term and the short, but there were so many other dividends that started to pay out immediately when I started to do the power of 15. The first one was simply that my child started to feel connected to me. They actually began to trust me more when I started to play. And before I started doing the Power of 15, I felt like I was always making an excuse as to why I couldn't play. I always had something cooking on the stove, or I just had to make one quick call, or I needed to finish a quick email, or I was avoiding playing. And when I found out 15 minutes was enough, I decided... I could do anything for 15 minutes if it's really good for my kid and really good for us and for me. And so that was a manageable amount of time for me to think about playing trains or Legos or some version of a game that made me want to run for the hills. One thing that I really didn't understand about how to be with my kids was how to actually settle in and be with my kids. And I know that sounds sort of esoteric, but what I did was something that a parenting expert taught me and gave a name for. To me, it's called probing for pain, which is I would interview them about my little agenda items while I played with them. Typically, the play would be sort of a mask for me to find out whether or not they ate their lunch that day, who they played with, if somebody was mean to them at school that day, what their teacher said about them not showing up on Monday. Like I was trying to extrapolate information from my kid without them knowing it, which didn't feel to my kid like play because it wasn't. The nice thing about the power of 15 is it really gave me some boundaries about how I would be with my kid, starting with I wasn't allowed to ask questions about anything other than what we were doing. And if I was going to ask a question, it needed to be just a simple one like, can I have the red bricks? (laughs) Not, well, what are we building here? And blah, 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 blah. I mean, I would just right away ignite into an interview with the child, which isn't frankly playful. So I would hold back in a power of 15 moment and let them lead. And mostly what I would do is reflect and mirror what they were doing. And that was a really powerful practice for me to just sit back, relax, and let the kid teach me how to play which was really a phenomenal experience. And the net for me of learning how to play for 15 minutes was I was far more relaxed and I felt great about my parenting for the first time since I'd started having kids. So 
If I were starting or just inviting someone to start out, I would start with a relational invitation, which is going to my kid and letting them know I miss them and that I really long to play with them. I would also acknowledge that I'm not very good at playing yet, but maybe they could teach me and I'd like to practice. That by itself is probably the most powerful part of the intervention for a child to know that their parent wants to be with them, that their parent really craves that time. Beyond just saying that they love them, they're showing them the love. So that's sort of step one is inviting your kid to know there's a special time, no one gets to interrupt it, and no one gets to be more important than them during that time. Then you pick a time, and that's a parent-selected time. So you would say, we can have our special time at 4.30 today, and that's when we'll close the door and we'll turn off the phone, and it's just you and me. And then I'll ask them if they'd like to do that. Well, I haven't met a kid yet who said no, so let's assume they say yes. Then I'm really just going to take off my mom hat during that time, and I'm going to put on a hat that says I'm learning how to play. And during that time, I'm going to invite them to lead me and show me how they want to play today. And I'm going to really work on just breathing and relaxing and letting them show me what they're interested in. It's very simple. There doesn't need to be very much talking during play. I really want to just try and take the cues from the child. So if we're playing cars and they're going, you know, or moving something around the blanket, I might just mirror what I see them doing a little bit and play in as simple of a way as I can without going into a lot of questions about what it is they're doing and why are they doing that and what does it mean? And, you know, I'm really trying to put my analytical brain on hold. It's not running errands together. Oh, it's not, actually. In fact, if it were, then I would have been really doing a whole lot more than 15 minutes a day. It's not running errands together. In fact, it's not in the car at all, unless you're in the back seat of the car with the kid hanging out. So you could do 15 minutes of special time in the back of your station wagon or your van or whatever it is you drive, but it doesn't have anything to do with your agenda. Is it reading books to your child? No, not really. But if they were guiding you through a book and they wanted to tell you the story, sometimes I would let my kids tell me, even when they were before reading age, let them tell me the story. And then if they wanted to act out the story, we could do that. Whatever it was, it didn't have the same beginning, middle, and end that I, as an adult, would want it to have. They would design the beginning, middle, and end. Can the bedtime routine count for that? 15 minutes of time? Bedtime is a great time to do 15 minutes of special time, but back it up. It's not part of the bedtime routine. I think we all kind of know what is that moment where I'm putting down my agenda as a parent and I'm really on the ground and I'm playing with you. And I think all of us, Rachel, can remember one adult in our life who did that with us. Is there an age where you think that you would have to approach it differently? I'm thinking of tweens who don't want to talk to their parents or don't want to be with their parents. At what age does this not work or would you have to think of it differently? Well, here's where it doesn't change. The longing for deep connection doesn't change from zero to 100. We all actually need it and want it, even if we can't put words to that longing. And the crisis of anxiety and depression is very much tied to the desire for deep connection. And that longing, that's the through line, if you will, from preschool to teenage life. But 
You have to be more subtle as your kids reach a preteen age. I don't think you have to be subtle about the fact that you really love their company. I think no one ever gets tired of hearing that. And frankly, most people don't hear it enough. Most kids is to say, I just so value being with you and being around you. We don't have to do anything special and you don't need to do anything for me. But can I just hang out in your room with you for 15 minutes and just look at this magazine? The key is during that time, I'm not judging you. I'm not criticizing you. I'm not parenting you. I'm not guiding you. It's not a teachable moment. And that's really a time where we're really learning how to just be in the same space and relax together. Every day. Every day. Every day. Obviously, this isn't designed to make people feel like they've fucked up if they haven't done it every single day. Because there are days where we just simply cannot. Or we're a single parent and we have to maybe do one child one day and one child the next or something along those lines. Or maybe we work incredible hours and it's just not possible to do it every day. But the goal would be if you can carve out a life where 15 minutes of your day is spent in a dedicated play or a dedicated presence with your kid, you'll have a different kind of kid and a different relationship for all time. And if 15 isn't available, then five or one. 15 is the one that's been researched and proven to make palpable, immediate, and substantial change. But if you have five, five is good. Five is good enough. So give what you can give on a day, but give it wholeheartedly. Not, uh, I kind of have this other stuff I should be doing because people that we're sitting with, including our children can feel that. And it feels shitty to have somebody be with you when you can sense that they'd like to be somewhere else. So if you're starting out and you're like, look, Polly, I can't do 15 minutes. I would say, great, then start with five, do five and give your kid 100% of you for five minutes and see if you can grow it from there. Can you spend time with multiple children or is it really a one-on-one exercise? It's a really good question. When we started it, I made sure it was dedicated one-to-one time. But actually, the siblings began to respect the time that the other one was getting so much because they knew they would get it too. And they knew how they wanted that time to feel. So ultimately, there were times where when I was parenting alone, that the younger would be quiet and in the room during the older special time. She understood and she knew how to respect that. And vice versa. You know, on days I would be with the younger, with my girl, my older son would come into the room and I'd say, oh, we're having special time. And he'd go, oh, okay. And he would slowly back out and close the door because he knew how sacred that time was and he knew he would get it too. So here's another beautiful net positive from special time. Sibling rivalry reduced to almost nothing because they were actually getting their little cups filled by me They didn't have a whole lot to compete against each other for. And they knew that it was a predictable amount of attention that they were going to get. It's great. I mean, it's a little different in some ways than how I had been approaching time with my kids. I had been letting them pick whatever they wanted to do, but that often meant that we were going to get ice cream or (laughs) going to Target to get a Lego toy or going to the bouncy house, something outside. Mm. But what you're saying is it's 15 minutes in a contained quiet space, usually at home. 
or always at home every day without really any agenda other than just being together and doing things on their terms. Is that right? That's absolutely right. The only thing I would take out is the word quiet because, you know, you don't need to be worried about whether it's quiet or not, but contained for sure and uninterrupted sounds perfect. So it could be trampoline or it can be in the backyard. It can be kind of wherever they decide. But yeah, it's not a time where I'm buying you stuff and it's not a time where we're going and running more errands because really it's a pause from a super busy life. It's a way of showing our children how to stop the ride and get off. This isn't a world that's going to teach them that if you don't, if I don't, they will not know how. In fact, they'll ride the ride until they're literally sick, as so many of us are. So many kids are interested, passionate about, well, because I have boys maybe, but video games. So what if the kid wants to engage in video games in that 15 minutes? How do you feel about that? Yeah, this is a great question. I mean, I think people listening might think, oh, she's definitely going to say no to that. But it's not a hard no for me. I can imagine a 15 minutes where instead of me being the monitor of your Minecraft time, I'm actually sitting down next to you and you're showing me your favorite thing that you've built in Minecraft, or you're teaching me for 15 minutes about who the character is in the game that you love and how they can unlock certain magical powers for themselves. I don't think I would do video game time every time, but I would say, yeah, if video games are something that are really interesting to them, go ahead and make one special time a week, the time where your kid teaches you how to make a hoop in their video basketball game instead of doing it by themselves. I still feel like we need to cover teenagers a little yeah, bit. I mean, I haven't yeah. been a mom of teenagers, but having been a teenager and a really surly one at that, I can imagine if my mom had come to me and said, I want to spend 15 minutes with you. I was in such a state of just not wanting anything to do with her that I would have rejected the idea while still probably wanting it deep inside, but not knowing how to really express that or take the first steps to letting her have that time with me. So for parents of teenagers who are very reluctant to communicate, what would you say? This is such a good question. And it's definitely more subtle than let's go play. Because obviously, like you said, on the inside, part of them wants more than anything to be known and understood and accepted by their parent. And the other part of them wants them to be as far away as possible. You know, when my kids got to the point where clearly my very presence was an offense and an affront to them, (laughs) they didn't want to be locked in a room with me. But when I would find us in a room together, I would make the decision inside to be with them without parenting them, to be with them as an ally or just as fellow human being. And during that time, I would drip in a not obnoxious way, but in a subtle way, drip into their system that they were okay with me, that I accepted them as they were. And it wasn't just in order to make them want to hang out with me. It was because I realized I had spent about 98% of my time just shifting them, correcting them, fixing them, managing them, controlling them. Lots and lots of, you know, well, just don't forget this and don't forget that. And I had become like nails on a chalkboard, white noise. And I needed to learn how to make the sound of my voice not be so 
difficult for them to listen to. I don't want to live with anyone who's got a correction for me every single time I see them. And that is a very, very compelling thing to do when you're living with a preteen. Right around 11, they become so profoundly unreachable and difficult. A lot of 11-year-olds do. So I would say think of it as a two-step process. If you're needing to reconnect with your preteen or your teen, you may need to spend a couple months dribbling in some really nice things, probably on a seven-to-one ratio. I'm going to tell you about seven positive things about you for every one correction that I make. I mean, it doesn't have to be verbal. It could be simply, I'm going to send you signals of you're okay with me, or I just appreciate you, or thank you so much for unloading the dishwasher today, or I realize you've worked so hard last night and you were up late, and I get that you're working, you know, just really harder than you ever have. Those kinds of little acknowledgments aren't things that I was dribbling in on the regular. And once I started doing that, my kids started to become much more receptive and open to me. So there's step two. Then the door started to open. Very literally, they stopped closing the door to every room that they would go in. The door started being open slightly ajar. Were they wide open? No, but they weren't hard shut, if you will. And that would be a time where I could peek my head in and say, hey, can I just be with you? And usually I'd get like a grunt. You know, it wasn't like, yes, come in. I've been looking for this time with you, mom. (laughs) But they would go, sure. And that's the green light that you get from a teenager. So I'd plop on a beanbag and hang out. And maybe I'd look at my phone for a minute or I'd look at a magazine better for that. And I would just let them be in the room with me without me criticizing them for a full 15 minutes which is, until you've had kids, really a hard task. Why is it so hard? On many levels, it seems like this should be so easy. I'm sure there are people listening who are like, so stupid. You should be able to spend 15 minutes focused on your kids, but it's harder than it sounds. Why is it so hard for parents? I think that as the clock gets ticking and your kid starts moving towards adulthood, you do have an increasing sort of subtle anxiety about Who are they going to become and how the hell are they going to be a person in the world? Because there's so many things they're not able to do yet. And that pressure translates into me kind of going like, did you set your alarm? Did you remember your soccer uniform? Constant cueing all the time. Some of it is the function of just wanting them to be prepared for their lives and not fall down. And some of it is just sheer worry that there's no way they're going to be able to do this without falling down all over the place. And that interrupts all of our conversations. So this is about containing my own anxiety and worry about my kid and what they're able to do or not do so that I have time to let them know that they're doing a really great job in their life. And for parents of young kids, I think there's so much anxiety about, am I doing the right thing? Are they eating enough, sleeping enough, picking up their toys enough? Oh, yeah. It's an infinite loop, right? Mm -hmm. You could just be stuck on that little hamster wheel all day long. And for parents to find a way to get off that wheel for 15 minutes, it's great training, not just for your kid, but for you. You didn't get pregnant or decide to have children and say, you know what? Let's have a baby and worry ad infinitum every single minute of the day. And then we'll follow them around, cueing them with warnings and suggestions 
until we die. That's not part of the original plan. But 15 minutes of that being not allowed is really good for me too, because I remember, oh, this is the kind of parent I wanted to be. I personally beat myself up at the end of every day before I started doing the power of 15. I would look at all the places where I messed up, what I didn't give, what I did give. I could evaluate the shit out of how I did the day. And it wasn't until I started giving that 15 minutes of uninterrupted time to connect that at the end of the day, I could say, I feel really proud of who I am and what I'm giving this person. Thank you so much for tuning in to Parent School with Polly Ely. We'd enjoy hearing what you thought of the show. And if you have any suggestions for future topics, you can connect with us at parentschoolpodcast.com. I'm producer Rachel Templeton. Thanks again for listening.